UTL Radio welcomes you to this episode of Understanding Business, a weekly radio program focused around business and personal development topics. The program is hosted by nationally recognized business attorney Peter Lamont and is a service of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont and Associates. As always, we welcome input and feedback from you, the listener, and we encourage you to join in the conversation by calling the live program at 347-855-8831 or by contacting us via our social media sites. Links to our various sites are listed on our main website, utlradio.com. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Welcome and thank you for joining me for this edition of Understanding Business. Today we've got a really great show plan because we've got special guest Amy Applebaum. And you know, Amy is one of the most sought-after entrepreneurial coaches in the country. And over the past decades, I mean, she's helped thousands of entrepreneurs achieve success in their businesses. She's uh, done that through her success club and private consulting practice. And she's helped you know, entrepreneurs, some of them create seven-figure businesses. And she herself has created you know, seven-figure businesses many times. And, and so we're really excited to have her here to talk about women and business. This is the first show that we have sort of dedicated to talking about um, women and their success in business. We've had a lot of uh, I guess over the last year, a lot of discussions about whether or not women are treated fairly in business and how a woman could succeed. But this is the first show that's dedicated just to women. So we're very excited to have Amy with us. Uh, she's also been featured on ABC News, CNN, TLC, Martha Stewart Radio, as well as the uh, New York Times, Women's World, Shape, and much more. Before I introduce Amy, I just want to thank our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Audible, the leading <coughs> provider of audiobooks on the Internet. Audible has a massive library of more than 100,000 audio programs, and they're providing our listeners with an exclusive offer. Just head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio and download a free audiobook, no strings attached. In fact, Amy has a number of audio programs available on Audible, so you can go over to Audible, browse through her catalog, and then download something for free um, after you hear today's interview with her. I think you're going to be very motivated and want to go download the program. So again, it's audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio. also want to remind everybody that your feedback and participation is so important because it allows us to provide you with the best guest information and content possible. I want to thank all of you who have submitted questions for Amy today. We received over 220 questions. Uh, what I've tried to do is categorize them so that Amy can answer as many of them as possible based upon topic. Uh, also, again, if you want to speak to Amy, call into the live show, 347-855-8831. Amy, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being on. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited, Peter. Thank you for having me. What a nice oh. introduction. Oh, well, you know, you deserve it. You know, I, I'm really excited because we do have a lot of, of discussions throughout the year, and there's this topic of women in business that comes up. But it's not often that, you know, you're in a position where you've got somebody who has such experience in the field. I think that a lot of our listeners who are women, you know, they're going to gain a lot of insight from this because sometimes, for some reason, you know, women are often afraid, afraid to ask questions, afraid to take the next step. And we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to get to some of those questions. But let's start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Because, I mean, you've been... A major success. I mean, you've developed major co uh, companies and you've helped others, but you know it had to start somewhere. So, give us a little background about you. Well, it's so funny as you were sitting there reading that bio. You know, it's always so ridiculous to hear these things, right? Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really started this whole entrepreneurial thing with great courage. I was fired from waiting tables. And so you could say that I was really forced into it. I really had no courage about it at all. You know, I'd always thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never had the courage. So when I got fired, it's a really funny story. You'll let me know if we have time. Um, <laughs> when, when I got fired, I suddenly was free. I mean, in the, in the moment that it happened, I didn't feel free. I felt, wow, I am a loser. I mean, how do you get fired from waiting tables? And I sat in the closet and pouted for about two weeks trying to figure out what I was going to do. But then I remember this song came on. Remember that song, um, Freedom, George Michael? 
Yeah, don't make freedom. me sing. Okay. I would start to sing for you, but it would be really bad. <laughs> so, freedom, George Michael comes on. And I don't know. It just hit me that I was free. It's, like, kind of cheesy, but it hit me. Oh. I can actually make a choice now about what I want. And then when I really thought about it, you know, I knew I got myself fired. I mean, the event that transpired, I mean, I'll just tell you briefly because it's, it's oh, worth yeah. hearing. But basically, long story short, there's a woman. She comes into the restaurant. It's 6.30 in the morning. She's in a big hurry. She wants the oatmeal for breakfast. I said, ma'am, I know you're in a hurry. You might want to order something else because we make it to order. It takes like 20 minutes. And she said, no, just give me the oatmeal. I said, okay. So six, seven minutes goes by, and she starts doing the snap, you know, the snap across the room. Now, I don't know about all of our female listeners. I know we have male listeners, too, but that snap thing does not work for me. So... I suck up my pride. I go over there. I was a good waitress. I really took care of my customers. I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but the oatmeal takes 20 minutes. It's only been six or seven. She says, I don't care. I want my oatmeal, and I want it now. I said, okay. I walked over to the cook station. I said, table 65 wants their oatmeal. They said, it's raw. I said, that's how she wants it. So I got fired that day, and ultimately, I knew when I served this woman raw oatmeal that that was going to happen. Right. And it kind of goes into a lot of this theme that you're talking about, about that we have to declare and ask for the things that we want. In whatever way that we do that, that wasn't necessarily the most effective way. But that's how we pave the way for the things that we want. So that's that's how I started. Now, you know, you're, you're even before that, I mean, did you grow up in a family that you, know, you had a, a tremendous amount of money and everything was handed to you? Because that's what a lot of people think. Oh, they're a success because... They were born to it. it. You know, they didn't work yeah. for it. They were born into it. Yeah, no. No, not at all. My, We had th- uh, three girls growing up. Um, my parents got divorced very early, so we were living with our mom, who was working. Um, so we basically had a babysitter all day long. And she was just, she had never worked a day in her life at that point. So she was working. We were a very blue-collar family. My father was an entrepreneur, so I was exposed to that, but I didn't live with him. Um, and I wouldn't sit, and he had times of success and times of no success. So we didn't, I didn't come from a wealthy family at all. In fact, I put myself through college, um, and I worked since I was 14 years old. So I know what it means to make a dollar. I know how to make a dollar. I know how to generate a dollar. And it was it, that those are all things that I learned growing up. Yeah, that's really an important point to make because so many of, especially the women that, that we've spoken to, either in preparation for the show or just in general, one of the things they say is, you know, entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur, it's something that you're born with. It's not something that you can learn. And I'm afraid to do that because I don't have that entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. What is your take on that entrepreneurial spirit and that argument that it's something you're born with? Well, first of all, I didn't. I wasn't born being an entrepreneur. I mean, I didn't know anything about it. And and to be honest with you, my first year of business, I failed miserably. So I had to learn what actions you have to take to be successful. I mean, there's a formula to making money. There's a formula to creating a business. So it's absolutely learned. You know, do some people, I don't believe that, Anybody can learn to be an entrepreneur. You just have to be willing to do it. Everybody has different risk, you know, tolerances. And being an entrepreneur for some people feels incredibly risky. They prefer to have a job. There's nothing wrong with that. I would say that's more of a preference than something that we're born with. We really have a choice about what we want to do. Some people are like, you know what, there's a lot to think about when, I'm, when you're an entrepreneur. You're it. You're the vision. You create the brand. You come up with your sales and marketing plans. You learn how to be more visible and elevate your platform as a business owner. All of that stuff's on you when you're the entrepreneur. If somebody else is, then you show up for the job that you, you know, are getting paid for. And then when you go home, in most cases, well, that's not true, but in some cases you can leave it. Sometimes there's high-pressure jobs you still take your job home. Right. But it's different. You're just in charge of your area. And it's a choice. You know, what, what, um, what do you want? Right. And like you said, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with those people that say, you know what, I don't want that, that responsibility. Or even though it comes with a great deal of, of benefit, it also has a lot of stress associated with it. I'd rather come into work, do my job, go home. Nothing wrong with that. But I agree with you that I don't think that being an entrepreneur is something that you're necessarily born with. I mean, in your situation, it was almost 
born out of necessity. You realize that you weren't happy, you had gotten fired, and, and now you want to do something else. So it's not like it's something that's just in people. Now, some people will argue that while being an entrepreneur or the entrepreneurial spirit is not something that you, know, you are born with, there are certain skill sets, though, that lend themselves to people being entrepreneurial. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are some things that you have to be comfortable with. Risk is one of them because you're on your own. Um, I think it's interesting. You ask that, and I'm thinking, no, I could kind of – everything that's coming up to my mind about the skill set, I think, no, you had to develop that. No, I had to develop that. So, you know, it's like confidence. Right. A lot of people think that you have to be confident to be an entrepreneur. That is not true. In fact, anything that you do in life, in order to be confident in whatever it is that you're doing, you have to actually do it multiple times and, in most cases, fail many times. You get good at something because you practice. And what I find often happens is people, they, they, want, they think they're going to be born with it. They think they're going to have natural skills. And that's really, um, we're really misguided if we think that. Because we don't give ourselves the shot or the chance to really be successful when we walk into the, any situation with that mindset. If you want to get, yes, I think that, you know, I'm not a great singer. I do think there are certain things that you are born with that, you know, have genetic components. But an entrepreneur, the skill sets for being an entrepreneur are about learning how to be an entrepreneur. It's really interesting. I work with entrepreneurs all over the world, and I have to tell you, some of them are not that smart, but they're, but they're good at other things, and they have, they have learned what the formula is for business. They've learned how to lead a team. And I say learned. They didn't, you know, are some people born knowing how to lead a team? Yeah. Some people have, have that more. Some are born more towards, say, following than leading. Yes, right. th th these things are all there, but that doesn't mean you can't learn how to be a leader. Because you can absolutely learn how to be a leader. It's just about knowing what, what, what are the steps that I need to take and am I willing to do it. No, it's really, really important because I, I agree with you too. I think that <laughs> the skills are something that you develop. And I think you made a really good point with respect to confidence. We're going to talk about confidence later. But, you know, the next thing that, that we see a lot of in the questions coming in is women who are saying, listen, I believe I can do it. I believe that I want to be an entrepreneur I know that it's it's a learning experience. I'm willing to take that that shot, but you know I don't have time. I'm either a single mom, or I've got kids, or you know I'm married with kids, and these other obligations and commitments. There is no way. You know, we had one question that came in when they said, you know, we wake up in the morning, I get the kids ready for school, my husband goes off to work, I take them to school, I'm engaged in school activities with the kids, pick them up, take them to sports. You know, when do I have a chance to do anything entrepreneurial? And that yeah. seems to be a big question. You know, how does a woman who, you know, is more of a stay-at-home mom but has this, this desire to do something else, how do yeah. they become an entrepreneur? What yeah. do you think about the time factor? Well, I mean, in the, in the example that you just used, that woman has a time issue. And so what we have to start to do is say, okay, well, what do I want my life to look like? Because you can't, you know, sometimes I'm actually glad to hear that because there's a lot of super women out there who say, you know, I can just, I can do it all and I can do it all yesterday, and we can't. But I am here to say, you know, I have two businesses that I'm currently running and a new one that I just launched literally two weeks ago. I have a brand-new 20-month-old who's in bed right now, <laughs> and I do part-time with my baby. It's really important to me to do part-time with my baby. So my husband does part-time, and I do half-time, and I'm making it work. And so it's about knowing what you need to do and not spending so much time doing the things that don't get you where you need to get to. So in, for somebody who's not an entrepreneur yet, who's going, I have no idea what you just said, um, and they're thinking, how would I do this? Well, your life has to shift a little bit. You your life has to shift because you can't have it all. You can't be full-time mom and not be willing to dedicate some time to building a business because building a business is like a baby. It requires time and energy and commitment, and you are going to have to take certain steps. It requires getting educated. It requires you know, a, a, whole, a whole assortment of things that you're going to need to carve out some time for. 
Interestingly enough, when we are really committed, we make something a priority. I remember not about six months ago, I felt like I really needed to do something exercise-wise. And I mean, my schedule is maxed, right? And I made a commitment that I was going to do 30 days of yoga. I'm kind of one of those crazy people who it's all or nothing, right? I can't just do something moderately. So instead of just a couple times a week doing some yoga, I have to do it for 30 days straight. Meanwhile, inside of my busy life, I sat down with my husband and I said, Honey, I'm feeling like I'm lacking energy. I really am just feeling I I need this. And so we worked it out so that he would feed the baby dinner at night and I could go do this yoga class for 30 days. So one of the key skills when you're an entrepreneur, because oftentimes, um, well, let me say this, one of the key skills is to be solution-focused. And what that means is there are challenges, issues, problems that come up every single day. And if you want to have a successful business, and, and to be quite honest, if you want to have a successful life, one that doesn't feel dramatic and taxing and energy draining. You've got to be in solution mode, and so many of us are in problem-focused mode. And when you're in problem-focused mode, you're thinking about how you can't do something. You're thinking about the issues and challenges that you're facing, all the reasons why you can't do something. You're talking about it with others. You're obsessing about it. You're thinking about it. You're, sometimes you're talking to your friends about it. Sometimes you're talking to therapists about it. And what we really have to do in order to empower ourselves and, and really start to generate the life that we want is say, enough of that. What am I going to do about it? What needs to shift? So, Peter, to go back to the example that you gave, The woman who wants to be an entrepreneur who doesn't have to have time has to say, how am I going to create time? And and how important is it? Because, you know, it really is okay if you want to be a full-time mom and right now isn't the time for you to build a business. It's okay. And sometimes we need to just own that and say, this is my commitment for right now, and when my child is a little bit older, then I will launch my own business. The alternative is, that you can be mad about the situation that you've chosen and then just feel like you're constantly being robbed of this new entrepreneurial life that you would want. And then a further alternative is carve out the time. Make a different decision. Decide that maybe you are going to have somebody help you with the kids a certain amount of hours per week. And don't say, oh, but I don't have money, because we can always find that too, whether it's finding money or it's sharing time with other moms so that you can carve out that space. I'm working with someone right now who doesn't have money. She's building her business. She is working with a team of moms where they rotate watching the kids. She has carved out four, four, four five-hour days for herself towards wow. the new business. So, I, Peter, I kind of went off there, but I think there's a lot that encompasses that question. Well, you know, you raised some interesting things, and, and two things that I like to, to pick up on. First of all is the idea of honesty with yourself. You know, you, a lot of people say, I want to do this, I want to start a business, but that level of commitment's not there. It all sounds good, but they're not being honest with themselves. Is yeah. this for me? Can I do it? And you raised the point about the super moms who are all over the place. But I think that you've got to be... You know, the average person, you've got to be honest with yourself and say, do I want this? Because if you don't really want it and you don't have that commitment, then you're going to fail. So honesty with yourself is important. Do you agree with that? I do. And it's also like don't – and also don't make yourself crazy for your truth. I mean, if, it, if you're really not ready to do that right now, the worst thing that you could do is beat yourself up every day about it. And that's what I see people doing. Instead of saying, you know what? I don't want to be an entrepreneur right now, and maybe I'll have a different feeling next year. It's really okay. The more you can just own where you're at and what you truly want and stop trying to keep up with other people or be what you think others want you to be, just get honest with yourself because being an entrepreneur is challenging, and you've got to be up for the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing that I really think is important is, is your discussion on focus. I think that, you know, the way I view focus is exactly how you were describing it. If you spend your day thinking about the negative, and, and this isn't going back to the old positive thinking where I'm going to say, that, you know, these positive mantras over and over again, everything's going to be okay. This is more of a physiological sort of effect. When you focus on negative consistently, what is your brain going to give you as far as solutions? They're just going to give you problems. So I think... Yeah talk a little bit about the idea of focusing. How do you, because there are people who say, well, I look at the, the you know, 
problem as a problem, or I look at this situation as a challenge. What what do you have to say advice-wise for people on developing that skill of focusing on problem-solving problems? Yeah, well, it's so funny. I I didn't know you were going to mention the Audible collection, but, you know, I'm kind of one of those take action kind of coaches, right? Let's get moving. Let's stop talking about the problem. But I also, of course, as I've been doing this for so many years, really recognize that there's a combo effect that's needed. One is your belief systems and your actions need to be in alignment. So the reason why I launched, I launched an entire collection of meditation albums for this reason. Um, and, And that is, we have to begin to train our minds to think the right way if we're not thinking the right way. And and what I mean by that is we're not all born with these, and for those of you who are, congratulations, because it's awesome, with these kind of uber-positive either parents or problem-solving people. You know, sometimes you're born into something, you know, because this is very learned behavior, the way that we think, very learned. Yeah. And so... But here's the good news. We have really all developed, I don't know the age group of all the listeners, but however long you've been living, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, you have a Ph.D. in the way that you think. And what I mean is you weren't born with that thinking. You practiced that thinking because you saw it, because you heard it. It doesn't really matter. Um, But when you hear certain things, you begin to adopt them, you begin to practice them. And so oftentimes we think and say things, like you said at the top of the call, you know, I'm just not skilled at that. I can just never be that. That's just not me. These are beliefs that you have adopted, said that's the truth about me without questioning it. That's the truth about me, and now I'm going to live my life as if it's the truth. And the problem there is is that it's like being in jail. So you have kind of no further to look than your belief system, the beliefs that you think are true about you, and then, you know, to see what your life is going to look like. So, yes, just like exercise, you, you, can ex- you can learn to think positively. You can learn to think in a way that supports what you want to achieve and accomplish in your life without question. This is, it's so funny. I'm a business coach slash consultant, but one of the main things that we work on with our clients is personal development because especially with women, which has been my primary target market and focus for the last, you know, 10 plus years, um, those belief systems, you know, we haven't been in the working world for that long. So we are, we have our ancestors to thank for all of these belief systems that have been carried through. And we all saw it when we watched that, um, you know, the video with the Microsoft CEO. Yeah, it's just inbred in in the community, and it's just going to take a little time for us to uh, kind of get rid of that way of thinking. And it it takes us practicing. And a mantra is not enough, Peter. A mantra is not enough. You can't just wake up every day and and say I'm a superstar and then feel it. You actually have to take actions in alignment with those beliefs and practice them every single day. Yeah, and you know the, the 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 idea of focusing on, you know, the way you want to be and the the because you know, look, it doesn't make a difference if it's if it's your kid's lunch that you're fixing or you're planning for a major meeting at a corporation. Problems come up, and it's the way that you deal with those problems that I think affects your success moving forward. You know, if if you're a mom and and you're making a peanut butter sandwich and you realize that you don't have any peanut butter, well, do you just say, all right, my kid doesn't eat that day? Or do you find a solution? And I know that's a simplistic example, but that's something that I think we have to, to you know, understand with being an entrepreneur, that you've got to focus on solutions, not problems. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the um, CEO of, of Microsoft, uh, Satya Nadala. He had said a couple of weeks ago at a, at a presentation that women shouldn't ask for raises. In fact, if you don't ask for raises, it's good karma, and you know, you'll just trust in the system. And uh, clearly, that received a ton of backlash. Yeah. Uh, a ridiculous statement to make. But as you did say about you know the, the ancestral sort of thing, even I think President Obama has said that women on average make 77 cents to the dollar of the man. How, how do you, as a, a female entrepreneur, how do you compartmentalize that whole idea of women 
in business. It's something that's a, a new thing. You, you know, you don't make as much money. You're not as successful. What do you think about all those stigmas? It's so interesting. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I don't suffer from that. I don't see that as a problem. I make as much money as I want to make. And I think that the reason for that, Peter, is because I declare my value. I say these are my coaching packages, and this is the value that you can expect if you work for me, work with me. Um, So I'm not – I don't deal with those things as a conversation. It's kind of the same as – I see it as the same as – you might think this is funny, like I'm turning a blind eye, and I'm not. But whether we're talking, you know, racism or bigotry or any of those things, I just don't operate in that world. To me, people are equal, and I, I just like people or I don't like people based on who they are, who they're being, those mm-hmm. types of things. So I think when it comes to this conversation, I think we shouldn't waste too much time giving it too much weight. I mean, the reality is I, I listened to him. I watched the video. I don't know the guy. I don't know what he really meant to say. I'm not sure that he meant to say what everybody thought that he said. Right. It doesn't matter. I'm not supporting him. I just think sometimes we can pull these things out of context. I think there were two themes there. I think theme number one is that this is the one where I think it was slightly misguided, that he's hoping and living in a little bit of a dreamland. This is the the part that I think we just need to be careful of, and it's just an opinion of his. But it probably has everything, by the way, to do with his background and the culture that he comes from. And it is very karmic. You get what you give. And there's something wonderful about the idea of that, isn't there? The fact that he thinks that is wonderful. The reality is, in business or in anything else that we've all learned, it doesn't always work like that. So what we have to do, which is what the woman said, I don't remember her name, um, is we have to pay attention to what we've decided our value is and not be always listening to what other people say that it is. We need to make make sure if we're in a job that we're getting paid what we believe that we should be getting paid, what the going rate is or more for that position. So she's talking about be aware, know what's going on, and by all means learn how to ask for what you want. And, and Peter, can I just talk about this theme for a second? Sure. I don't believe, I so support what she said about asking for what you want. And while I think that humankind means well, I also think that that we take advantage of people kind of unknowingly. Meaning, if you're not going to ask for, if I have a pie in front of me and you only, you're not going to, you're just going to ask for a little baby piece. You know, I really like pie. So I'm probably going to keep Okay, I'll give you that little baby piece. I might not say no, have it all. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So I, it's up to us to decide what our lives look like and to sit and wait around for anybody to carve out, create, or provide the opportunity for you that you want in your life is just, it's, it's, I do not subscribe to that. I don't believe that's how we get things done in our lives. I believe that we set boundaries and, and, we set the rules for how people should treat us. And what that means is if someone's treating us poorly, we can still kindly, we can be kind. We can say, you know, you probably don't mean this, but you can't treat me like this. And if we don't say those things and we just let people do what they'll do, you're going to have a really unfortunate life. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And, you know, I think something that women have asked over and over again is this idea of, well, how can I ever be successful in a male-dominated world? I think your point goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago with focus. You don't focus on that because that's not something that you choose to value. So if you don't focus on that, then you're free from those confines of you know that belief system that women can't do as much as men. And clearly you've proven that you can do just as much or more because there's really no sort of differentiation in your mind between... That's right. Men. Women, That's black, right. white, doesn't make a difference. I'm not so even I, thinking about it. I make as much money as I want. And that's so I, I've never, it doesn't even dawn on me. Right. So I think that women that rely on that sort of crutch, it's the same thing with, with racism. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, I don't have the opportunities because of my race or my ethnicity. You know, again, it's, that's what you're choosing to focus on. If you're going to limit yourself to that, then you're not going to be able to develop. So I think that's an important lesson for women to learn. Regardless of what anybody says, whether it's the president or 
Microsoft or whatever. You're not right. you're not, you know, sort of jailed in that same prison that they are. So yeah. I think that's now, you know, Peter, I love that you're saying that. I love it makes me think of every one of us views the world through a filter. So just imagine that you have a pair of glasses on. And that's and, and they're in whatever shade you've chosen. And that's the way you view the world. So if you view the world that you can't get ahead, then you're gonna be looking for everywhere you go how you can't get ahead. And you know what you'll find? You will find all the ways you can't get ahead. Yeah. But if you have a pair of glasses on that says everything is available to me, that's what you'll end up. That that is the law of attraction in action. Yeah, and that's there's nothing more important than that because that's where it all starts from. You can limit yourself based upon your faulty beliefs and what you focus on and you don't even get to the next stages of your entrepreneurial journey because you're cutting yourself off at the knees. You know, another right. topic that ties into this that that is a lot of questions came in about is Fear, okay? Overcoming fear and developing confidence. A lot of the women that have written to us have said, you know, I think I can do it, but I'm so afraid. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid that I don't have the, the confidence. I don't believe enough in myself. You know, I have a good product or a good service, but I'm afraid to put it out there because I don't want to be rejected. And, you know, you talked a little bit about confidence earlier, but how do you help women deal with this idea of overcoming fear and putting it in its place and moving forward through it. Yeah, I love that you're bringing this up. I, I Fear is a funny thing for me. First of all, I would say this. Everybody, stop trying to overcome fear. It's ridiculous. Fear is part of life. Anytime that you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, you're going to be afraid. I mean, who isn't? You've never done it before, or you're not comfortable with it because you haven't done it enough. So, this notion of overcoming fear, for me, is ridiculous. What we need to do instead is build a healthy relationship with fear. Instead of fear means that I crawl into the closet and don't take action, fear can mean something different, like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting ready to have a breakthrough. Oh, my gosh, something incredible is about to happen to me. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting ready to grow. So we first have to redefine what fear means. And, and there's really two types of fear. Rational fear and irrational fear. Rational fear is there is a car coming at me, flight or fight. Okay, that's real fear. Mm -hmm. And it should be there. You should be scared and you should run. Irrational fear is you are not in danger, but you, you're acting as if you are. So we can be, you know, we can have fears of all sorts of things from spiders to, you know, object fears to things like, you know, fear of failure, fear of all those things. So what you have to start to look at is we want to build a relationship with fear. So what are we afraid of? When fear, and you can't, you're not going to sit down and solve all this in one minute. What, what I really want people to do is start to take some different actions when fear comes up. So number one, when fear comes up, what do you say? Right? What do you say to fear? I like to have a conversation with it. Whoa, what is going on? What am I afraid of? What's happening here? You want to develop a relationship with fear. You want to start to have a conversation. I like to name it. Call it whatever you want. I call my fear dude. I don't know why. It sounds probably ridiculous for some of you, but I have a conversation. Dude, what's up? Why are you here? Why are you bothering me? I'm getting ready to do something. You know, am I in danger? Is there something that I need to know here? As you start to build this relationship with it, you have some choices that you can make. So you can take action despite fear, or you can make the decision not to. So when you have an idea of, you know, what do I have to gain from this, whatever this is, mm -hmm. you know, we can start, we have to practice taking action in the presence of fear in order to get better at dealing with fear. I'm so used to being in fearful situations that now, while some anxiety definitely comes up for me all the time, by the way, whenever I'm doing something that I'm not that comfortable with, um, I just have got, I'm so practiced at doing it anyway. And what ends up happening is I accomplish a lot. I accomplish a lot. Because I'm not, you know, so now there's another piece to this, and that is this fear of failure or falling down. It's been so interesting watching this 20-month-old that I have, everyone, Peter, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. I'm so in love. I'm 44 years old, and this is my first baby. 
first and last, I will say. <laughs> My businesses are babies, too. But I think the thing that's so extraordinary, as I was watching her when she was trying to walk, she fell down so many times, Peter. I mean, it was funny. Yep. And never once did she say to herself, you know, I'm not going to try this again. That's it. I, it's over. I'm done. No, she kept trying. Now she walks. She's walking up the stairs. Yep. It's it's really valuable for us to learn this. This is something that we learned. We're afraid of looking bad. We're afraid of saying something stupid or looking foolish. We're afraid of failing. If we can start to recreate the feelings and beliefs that we have around what failure looks like, we can actually give ourselves an opportunity to succeed. There isn't one person who didn't, not one, who didn't fail their way to the top. There's not one person. Absolutely. You know, I think that to that point, you look at successful business people and you you can go through hundreds of them that you could name. You can look at you know, the, the top home run hitters in baseball, they strike out more times than they hit home runs, yet they're still noted as the top home run hitters ever. So that goes back again, you know, this idea of fear. And it goes back, though, to focus, because do you look at this fear, which I, in my experience as a business owner and dealing with other people that are entrepreneurs and business owners, most of the fear is irrational in my experience. You know, there's very few times that you've got rational fear where something imminent is going to happen. It's most of the time something you make up in your head. And by the time you go to sleep that night, you have built it up into such a major event that it's it's sort of preventing you from moving forward because it's all you're focusing on. Do you think that's yeah. true? Yeah, I do. And And what we really need to focus on is what's the worst-case scenario? You know, um, and the worst-case scenario is, Okay, maybe you'll make a fool out of yourself. Maybe somebody won't buy your product. Maybe, and so we, and then I start to look at that. All right, well, what's going to happen to me if someone doesn't buy the product? Well, you know, I wish they would have, but, but I might be able to learn why they didn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I can learn why they didn't, then I can grow a little bit so that when I ask someone to buy my product or service next time, I can get better at it. So for me, I would share with all of you that I don't have an issue with failing. I've chosen that failing is part of the process. It makes me better. The, the problem that you will find when it comes to failing, and sometimes we perceive failing as rejection and a whole bunch of other things, um, is that if you're unwilling to get feedback from any failed situation, then you know what? You should be afraid to take action. This is a really important point, Peter. Don't take action if you're not going to be open to how to get better. Because, see, if you're going to fall apart and life's going to be over and you're not going to be able to handle the necessary feedback to make the, you know, modifications and edits necessary to be more successful the next time you try whatever it is you're doing, then forget it. I mean, don't don't bother. And And I don't mean that in a confronting, rude, or patronizing way. I mean, you have to develop a good relationship with receiving feedback. That's how you get better. And if you're not going to identify those things, then what will end up happening is you'll keep doing the same thing the same way over and over, failing, failing, failing. And then if I were in your shoes, I would be afraid to fail at that point because it will feel like rejection. And so there's a few kind of key things that we have to get good at. We want to learn how to take action despite fear, but we really want to learn how to accept and receive feedback so that we can get better and be working towards success. Yeah, and you know, rejection, in my mind, rejection really is nothing more than feedback. It's data that I receive that helps me determine whether or not what I'm doing works or doesn't work. So I think if you can start looking at rejection as nothing more than feedback, you didn't like my product or service, well, why? Let me find out. See if it's something that I did or didn't do, or if you're just crazy. Because there are people out there in the world that nothing makes them happy. And it's not a reflection on what you did or didn't do. It's just their inadequacies. And so they feel that they have to be mean. I think that's important to note, too, because it's not always you. And you can't always take it on yourself. But yeah. you have to receive you know, what people say is rejection as feedback so that you can yeah. make corrections. You know, feedback in business and life is really about looking for trends. 
you know, if you don't have <clears> – <throat> you're looking for trends. If I'm going to gather feedback – like, I'll give you a funny example. I think when I was, like, 28 or, you know, right around that age, 28 to 30, I did this seminar. And most of my audience was in their early 20s, you know, people wanting to be entrepreneurs. And But I had a woman in the audience. And by the way, age is irrelevant, but I'm just sharing with you what the actual situation was. She was probably 65. And she came up afterwards. I had a, a wonderful seminar, an excellent conversion rate, meaning that many of the people that were there, the percentage that I had hoped for actually beyond that, converted and bought a service or product from me. Right. So this woman came up who was about 65 afterwards, and she says, you know, Amy, something like today was, you know, today was okay, but I just am really put off by your energy level. It's just, you know, it's overwhelming, and I think you should dial it back. I mean, in her words, however she said that. Right. And I have to tell you, I hadn't received a lot of feedback up to that point, so I didn't really know how to take feedback. And I remember I went home, and I called my dad, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to change my whole seminar. And I went on and on and on. My dad said, Amy, let's talk about the seminar. (laughs) And so we did. And we talked about the conversion rate and what my expectations were and how everything went great. And, um, you know, and the surveys that I had sent out and the feedback that I had received. He said, honey, you're looking for trends, meaning yeah, you probably had too much energy for this woman. But that's not that no one else said that. Right. That right. that wasn't a, pro, a problem that you had at the seminar and it didn't affect your sales. So, we're not looking to be who other people want us to be or for our businesses to be what they want it to be. What we're looking for is what needs to shift and change because it will make a difference, because I will be able to benefit myself and my audience or whatever it is, my business, and achieve the goals that I want to achieve? There's not good. In my world, there's not good and bad. There's what works and what doesn't. And so we look at our actions and behaviors and beliefs and results and say, well, hey, I've been doing this to lose weight, and it's not working. So something's got to change. So what's going to change? Yep, absolutely. You know, I think that um, the idea of of being willing to accept the fact that you're never going to please everybody is important because so many of the women that um, have have brought in questions, they're they're looking to start businesses or they're involved in the early stages of businesses that are very subjective service type, you know, photography, uh, consulting, accounting. Uh, There's a couple questions from people who are looking to start a um, like an administrative services business, and they all you know have this fear of well if I put my product or service out there, somebody's not going to like it, and then what do I do? But really, it's look we're, there's so many millions of people in this world. There are about to be tons of people that hate what you do, but equally <clears throat> people that like what you do. And I think that you have to stay true to yourself. You can't change your product or idea simply because you think that's what other people want. But then in that same you know, sort of uh, approach, you also have to be willing to accept that maybe what you're doing doesn't work for what you want to accomplish. You have to be willing to shift that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's hard for so many people to sort of understand. But you know, going back to this idea of um, you know, now you've decided that you've got what it takes. You want to do it. You want to go out there. We've talked about fear. You're able to sort of push through fear or, or at least work with it because you can't overcome it, which is absolutely true. And now you're there and you're ready to do something. You know, we've got about 15 minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about practical advice, what women should be focused on. What if they don't have any money? Just like that woman that you uh, mentioned earlier that you were working with, she obviously had a challenge. I don't have enough money. I don't. What do I do? How did she come up with the idea of solving her problem? How can, you know, what, what advice can you give to women about, all right, here's the next step. You want to do it. You've committed to doing it. Now here's what you need to do. Okay. And this is, we're, we're talking starting a business. Right. Okay. There, there's two ways to start a business. Figure out, and this is my most preferred way because this is just what I know and how I've always done it, you know, Come up with a great concept that probably has some technology component and raise money. That's not my most favorite way. 
or two, come up with a great product or service that you know a specific community or target demographic or market needs and start selling it. Now, there are so many opportunities to build business, especially in service-based businesses or online products that don't require materials um, where you can actually generate income. The way that you can get around some of um, your startup costs are, well, there's so many small business loans. There's lines of credit that you can take out. You shouldn't have to spend a lot of money. I've never spent more than 20 10 okay, it depends on what business we're talking about, but I've never spent more than, say, 50000 total dollars to start a business. And in most cases, I've had nothing. I had a line of credit and, you know, spent $1,000 on a credit card, like when I started my first vending company. I bought a couple machines, put them in locations, and then started to go from here. This is the most important thing that people don't do. They have an idea, they're excited about it, but they don't do the research. If you don't do the research and make sure, and this kind of speaks to something you were saying earlier about being true to yourself and, you know, doing your passion, and yes, all of that is true. You can, you can have your passion business. But if your passion business, if nobody wants what it is that you're creating or want to create, you're not going to sell anything. And so there's kind of two parts to this formula. Yeah, you should do a business that you love, 100%. I support that. I can't even – that's why I got out of the vending company. Um, but you also need to – there needs to be a need in the marketplace or a want for whatever it is that you're going to offer. So number one, before you do anything, research. And what I mean by that is what is it you want to offer – and do the people that you need, need it. I mean, do the people that you think need it, need it. And how do you know this? Get online. Start looking for competition. The more competitors you have, the more demand that means there is for your product. That's a good thing. That says that what you want to offer is needed. Right. So you don't, you don't want to be in the beginning when you're first starting a business, the only person who's ever done it, um, in, in, in my view. I'm not saying that it's bad to be an innovator and start something new. I'm saying if you have no entrepreneurial skills whatsoever, that that is a harder way to go. Um, Just know that. Still go for the things that are important to you, but know that it's a harder way to go. If you do, and so then the part two of this is, well, wait, let me just finish that. Sorry. (laughs) It's too early. I'm so sorry. Um, Okay, research. Research your competition. Research the statistics for the need in the marketplace. You know, I help women and men at this point build businesses, build better businesses, whether they are just starting, whether they're struggling, or whether they're established, making some money, but really want to take it up a notch. And when I got into this, I looked around to see how many entrepreneurs were flooding the marketplace, and I mean there's millions. So I knew I had a market. But then I had to go and prove that they needed help. And when the statistic of there's 28 million businesses in the United States alone, and that's the ones who are filing tax returns, and 50% are failing within the first two to five years, this is a fact, I said something's wrong. So I started to study what was going on. And, and then I realized these people need support. They need help. They need to not do business alone. They need access to somebody to give them advice, et cetera, et cetera. So way before I even started a business, I made sure there was a need. This is critical. You can't overlook this. You are a million steps ahead when you know that your business is needed. Right. So that is the, you know, the number one first thing. The, se- the number one second thing, don't do business alone. I don't care how you do it, and you don't need to have a lot of money for this. Some of you are going to hire coaches. Some of you are going to just create your own kind of very informal, what I like to call board of mentors. Very simply, what that means is is that you're going to get some very smart people on a team who can advise you as you grow your business. Don't try to do this alone. You cannot do business alone, especially if you've never done it before. So if you want to leg up, then the smarter people that you have on your team, there, where you can call them up and say, I don't know what I'm doing, help, the better off you're going to be. Those are the two main suggestions that I have before you do anything. And the third would be, don't go right to, I need to raise a bunch of money. Instead, think, how can I generate money quickly? 
the more you can have a revenue-rich business, the more value your business will have, um, the happier you're going to be because you're thinking about how you can put money in your pocket today. And this is always that weird conversation, Peter, because sometimes some women have an interesting conversation about making money, which has to be solved. Um, but you want to be as revenue-rich as possible because if you are making money, you're happy and you can give more to your customers. And then finally, listen to your customers. If You can be an expert head. This is what I think everybody needs. But again, if you haven't done the research and then suddenly you're like, why isn't anybody buying, right? It, you're going to be really, you're going to be down about it because you want people to buy. So you want your customers to guide the process with you of creating that product or service that's valuable for them. Like we get feedback for our business all the time. How can we make it better? What do you need that we're not offering? All of those questions make it more possible for me to give them what they want so I'm impacting people while I also get to make money doing it. I mean, how great is that? Yeah, and that's because you're not afraid to ask questions. And I think that that's a thing that people often are afraid of. I don't want to know. They don't want to, I don't want to know why they don't like it. And that's foolish because you're never going to succeed. You've got that's to be right. able to go and ask the questions. You know, and on top of asking the questions to your, your clients and customers, you've got to ask the right questions to yourself as well. You know, yeah. am I happy doing this? Is this something that I think, you know, uh, I would buy? You know, is it, you've got to get over yourself and you've got to be willing to ask yourself the right questions, stay focused, and then be willing to listen to people when they say, great product, but I don't like this element of it. Yeah. Don't get mad at them, right? How many I love it. Get over yourself. It's so true. We do. It's not about us. It's about the product or service that we're offering and making it as great for your customers as possible. The sooner we can just do what you just said, I love it so much, which is just get over ourselves, then we can say, you know, like the more we can know ourselves in business, the better. I know who I am, strengths and weaknesses. And, I don't, and I'm, not afraid to, like, I'm not afraid to talk about the things that make me weak. And, and you don't want to be either. It's a strength. We see, sometimes see it as vulnerable. Let me, this is the thing that's so funny. Everybody knows your weaknesses. You're not kidding anybody. Yep. So not talking about it doesn't mean that everybody doesn't know it. So you may as well let the cat out of the bag and just start working on it. All right. So now we know, Amy, you're not a good singer, and everybody else knows that as well, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> oh. now, what you said is so important because, you know, the idea of I don't want people to see the chinks in my armor, the weakness – Everybody sees it anyway. That's such a good point to make. They know what you're good at and what you're bad at. Why not sort of embrace Own that? Own it. You That's can right. Focus on the positive elements of what you do. That's why when you said something <coughs> about having the right team in place, it's important because you cannot do everything yourself. If you don't have the right team in place, you know, you are, you're doomed to fail because you can't handle it all yourself. Plus, you don't know enough about everything to do it. That's why when people go out and they'll start up a tech company, unless they are tech savvy to begin with, they need to bring in the right people that can help them develop the website, the product, the app, whatever it might be. So it's important to do that, I think. Go out and find the right team to work with you. Exactly. All right. Exactly. You know, we, have, we have a few minutes, and I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can get more information about you because, I mean, we've only – scratch the surface of the information that you have. You've got a ton of great books and products and services. So I want to give you the chance now to tell people where they can contact you, how they can find you, and what they can you know do to get in touch with you. Thank you so much, Peter. I would love to do that. This is what we all have to learn as women too, right? We want to share these things. It's awesome. I've been working very hard for the last 10 years, and it would be my pleasure to share with you how I can support you. So first, you mentioned earlier, I have over, I've created over 100 meditation albums while I was pregnant. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Um, and they're really, really practical. It's not this kind of crazy out there meditation. Very practical, very um, straight-laced, straightforward voice that is meant to help you begin to create and cement those belief systems. It's about getting the ball rolling, okay? Meditation albums alone are not going to make you successful, not by a long shot. Your behaviors have to follow suit, but it's a good idea to begin to get those in position. So 
Those are available on iTunes and Audible. Just look up Amy Applebaum Meditation, and they'll all come up. You can you can also go to a website called amyapplebaumalbums.com, and you'll see them all there. Um, I just so I've been a coach and consultant for a really long time, too many years. Um, and so if you go to my website, amyapplebaum.com, you'll see what I'm about and. You know, there's I have private consulting services. So for those of you who want to, you know, consult privately, um, please go there. But what I'm most excited about right now is a brand new company that I launched called Blue Pen. We don't even have our front-facing website up, so you'll see a splash page. But you, if you go to joinbluepen.com, join Blue Pen, literally Blue Pen. And what Blue Pen is, is we're helping build better businesses. We really want to have a global impact on entrepreneurs and making sure that that statistic that I gave you, about 50% failing in two to five years, begins to stop. And that we can actually enjoy our entrepreneurial life. Because while we set out to live the dream, oftentimes entrepreneurial life can be drastically different than the dream that we had imagined for ourselves. And many times we are working alone. We're working more hours than we ever anticipated. It, is, it can be a really hard journey. And I want you to have a fun, incredible entrepreneurial life. So that's what Blue Pen is dedicated to. The best way that you can think about Blue Pen is it's a Weight Watchers for your business, which might sound ridiculous, and some of you might not be that familiar with how Weight Watchers works. But what's so incredible about Weight Watchers is they've got their weight loss success system, but they've partnered that with their offline meetings. And the reason they have the offline meetings is for accountability. So this is what we've created for business. We provide offline local clubs for people to meet and to mastermind and to network and be accountable to their business. And we've combined that with Blue Pen Online, where our members have instant access to, to the key business learnings. They have access to talk professionals to get their urgent you know, questions answered, et cetera. We really want to be with you every step of the way in your journey. So that's what Join Blue Pen is all about. Um, the front-facing website will be up in the next four weeks, but please you know, get on the mailing list. I'll, I'll tell you more about it. Um, it's very exciting. You know, That's what I've got, Peter. Exciting. That's really great. So what we'll do is we'll have links to all of the sites that you just mentioned up on the show page as well as on utlradio.com. So if you want more information, you can go there and you can find all of, of the links to Amy's products and services. But Blue Pen sounds like a really, really great thing. I'm excited to see how it is. Maybe after you launch, maybe you can come back on and we can just have a short segment and you can talk about it. And, and I would you know, love to. All right, absolutely. Amy, I want to thank you so much for being on today. It was really great. Um, you know, there there's a ton of questions that we still have unanswered, so perhaps if you're willing to come back on to talk about Blue Pen, maybe we can go through some of those specific questions next time. Oh, 100%. I would like to It's great I can talk about Blue Pen, but I think more importantly, I would love to answer your audience's questions um so that they can get a more of an experience of what it, you know, these kind of Q&As show you how valuable it is to get support and get your questions answered so that you can continue to move forward in your entrepreneurial journey. Well, I am looking forward to having you back on. I think this was really exciting. You gave a ton of great information, um, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of positive feedback, so I'll share that with you. I want to thank you again, and I want to uh, you know, re- remind everybody, go to the site, check out Amy's stuff, because it's really, if you're a woman, and if you're not a woman, you know, it's something that, that anybody can benefit from. Your focus happens to be with women, but men and women, we know we, we talked about this earlier, there's really no difference in, in business. There just isn't. And if you believe that, you're going to be a success no matter what you are. Um, and so head on over and check out Amy's, Amy's site and, and products, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I've been to the site. It's a great site. There's so much information there. And, um, you know, it's, it's really nice that people like yourself, Amy, are willing to share this information because you do get paid for doing consulting, but yet there's so much information that you're giving away, and I think it's really something that um, people need to appreciate because you've worked hard, you've built your brand, you've built your company, and yet you're giving back, and that's a really wonderful thing to be doing. Thank you, Peter. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this. Well, thank you for waking up early. 
to uh, to be on the show, and we'll be in touch. And we'll set up another uh, another time, and we'll come back on, and we'll finish the questions. That sounds great. All right, Amy, thank you so much again. We look forward to having you on again. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. So thanks uh, to Amy for being on. It was really, I think, a very informative interview. I think she she raised a lot of excellent um, you know points concerning moving forward with the business, especially if you're if you're a woman, uh, because there is this idea that many women have that they can't do it, that they can't succeed, that they're behind the eight ball because they're a woman. Woman, and uh, I think that Amy made a lot of good points, but it, it even transcends the, the gender. It's really what you need to do for personal development and then what you need to do for your own business success. But so much of business success depends upon your own level of personal development. Are you somebody that believes in yourself? Are you somebody that focuses on problem solving like we talked about with Amy? Or are you somebody that's going to give up? You know, like that example that I gave earlier, the mom who runs out of peanut butter, now does she say to her kid, sorry, I I can't help you, there's nothing we can do? You know, you've got to go to school hungry. No, she comes up with a solution. And that's an important lesson. I mean, we overlook those things, I think, in our lives. I know that I do. You know, I'll see my wife and she's coming up with solutions to things. And I don't really focus on them. I just think, oh, well, that's, you know, she's doing her her her, her work for, for the kids. And, um, you know, but when you really step back and you see, wow, look at how many times a mom has to find solutions to a problem. They never say to their kid, no, you know, you can't eat, or no, I can't pick you up from school. There's always a solution, and I think that's a real positive thing for women to focus on. If you are a mom, then you get it, and you know you've always found a way. So if you have that same passion for business, you're going to be able to find a way in your business too. So it's a matter of what you choose to focus on. And I mentioned earlier at the top of the show when we we introduced the topic with Amy about Focus being or having a physiological effect. If you focus on negative elements in your life, you know, think to yourself, how do you feel when you're negative? How do you feel when you're depressed? How do you, how do you hold your body when you're depressed or sad? And, you know, you certainly don't walk down the room with your shoulders back and very proud. You're slouched over. You're, you know, you, your mental depression transcends into your physiological state. So you are you know, depressed all the way around, a 360-degree state of, of depression or failure or whatever negative emotion you're feeling. But it's more than just your mind. It's the way you hold your body. And there's a school of thought out there that says that if you adjust your physiology, the way you hold yourself, the way you, you know, move your, your body, that that physiological shift will also help make a mental shift. And so they, they, the two things play off of one another. But the idea that I want to get across, which is something that Amy talked about, that's so important for anyone looking for success in business is focus. Because you are going to have what some people consider mountains and mountains of problems on a daily basis. There's no way around it. And you can never solve all the problems. But if you look at them and say, this problem, that problem, this problem, your mind says, oh, problem, well, now, you know, a problem something that, you know, it's an obstacle, right? It's this very insurmountable. What do I do? And then all of a sudden you start to see yourself, you know, breathing differently, holding your body differently. And then you have perpetuated this state of depression, which you've now, you know, convinced yourself that you're in. Whereas opposed to those people that look at a problem and they don't even call it that. I mean, look, I'm not big in the name game. You want to call a problem a challenge? That doesn't do anything for me. You know, I call it a problem, the, the fact that the half full, half empty, that's, that's silliness to me. So if it's a problem, that's the, the, the vocabulary I'm going to use. I still can take that problem and conduct myself in a way that says, all right, it's a problem, but we can fix it. We can solve it. We can get over it. We can get around it. And so I don't, I don't prescribe or I don't subscribe, I should say, um, to the notion of the way you name things is important, challenge versus problem. It's a problem for me, but we can find a way around it, and that's dependent upon your focus and your mental and physical state because those two things are going to help you figure out how you're going to solve that problem. So, um, you know, in summary, I think that Amy has, has provided a ton of information. I want to thank all the women 
that have submitted questions. You know, I tried to do my best to group the questions together so that we'd be able to address them in topic form. And that's what we did with the time factor and the fear and um, the rejection and that sort of thing. So those of you who have questions that did not fall into these categories, we mentioned Amy and she was gracious enough to say that she would come back on to kind of go through and do more of a Q&A and hit those topics that were not grouped in here. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have her on in the near future. And um, all of the links to Amy's sites and her content and her products and services, you can find them on utlradio.com. And they're also on the show page for today's show. Uh, so if you're listening live, you know you can go over and, and check out those links. If you're downloading this at a later date, then um, they'll be up there for you as well. If you have any questions or you need to uh, try to contact Amy directly and you're having difficulty doing so, you can always email us at info at utlradio.com and we can help connect you. Um, I want to thank everybody who has listened live and, and will be downloading this. Uh, I, I really do appreciate the feedback. I think that um, you know, we talked about feedback during the show with Amy, and, and you know, we believe that feedback is so valuable because, as I said at the beginning of the show, it really helps us shape the kind of shows that we're producing. It, we're giving you the guests that you want, and that's because of the feedback that we're receiving. So we appreciate all of your comments, all of your feedback. You can leave comments for us anywhere on the Internet, you know, directly through email at the info at UTO Radio or on our homepage, Twitter, Facebook, Google+, YouTube. It's, we're all over the place. So um, the comments that we receive, we read them, we try to answer all of them, and we really do appreciate it. So thank you for continuing to support our efforts. You know, we do this, as I've said many times in the past, as a way of giving back to the community. Um, I think that it's important for us, you know, because we've been through this entrepreneurial journey to give back to people who want to know more about being an entrepreneur or business or some of the various topics in business that we've discussed. And, um, you know, your uh, continued participation and support is greatly appreciated because I know that what we're doing is valuable for you and, and that makes me feel good about uh, everything that's going on here. So thank you for that. I also want to remind everybody that next Monday we'll be back on with Week in Review, me and my co-host Bob Hughes. We have um, a lot has happened this week, so there's going to be a lot of good stories that we're going to go through on Monday. Uh, there's everything from an update on the Call of Duty saga that we've been uh, following with Manuel Noriega, and there's some other uh, really, really interesting stories this week. So tune in Monday, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, for Week in Review. And um, we did have a scheduling conflict this week. There were some technical issues as well with our live legal Q&A on Tuesday, but live legal Q&A will be back next Tuesday. So um, look at that. Look for that. It'll be obviously available here on Blog Talk Radio, and it will be simultaneously broadcast live on YouTube Live, so you can check it out at either place. Tomorrow's Halloween, so everybody have a safe and happy Halloween. And we will be back next week, Monday, with Week in Review. Thank you again for listening. And remember that there's power in understanding the law. 